Tonight, we're talking about money. Who is excited about money? Amen. Yeah, see, see, just that response. When we talk about money, we get a little uncomfortable, don't we? Man, because we have so many opinions. We have, we have different expectations about what I should do with my money or how I should use my money. And so I'm so excited to give you the title of the sermon tonight. The title of tonight's message is Money Myth. Money myth is the title of our message tonight, and we're going to look at a couple myths about money, but I'm going to encourage you because I'm also, we're going to look at truths about money. What does God's word have to say about money? And so I hope you get as excited as I am, but can you, oh, if you got your Bibles with you tonight, will you open with me to Luke chapter 12 tonight? Come on. Luke chapter 12. This is, my D group and I, we just finished reading through the book of Luke, and I am just so encouraged by the things that they took away from it, the things that God spoke to me. Um, and we're going to be specifically in verses 13 through 21 tonight. We're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus teaches. Many times through the Gospels, we see Jesus teach in parables. We see Jesus teach in a specific way to illustrate a specific thing. But before we get into it, man, think about it. Everybody has their opinion on money. Like I said, man, you, you think you have your own way of how you should spend your money. You have your own thought process of, oh, how I should make money. You know, there's side hustles, there's full-time jobs, part-time jobs. I mean, there's so many ways to make money. And a lot of times, I bet you've thought about this. We think about, oh, if I have X amount of money, if I have this specific amount of money, I can do this specific thing, or I can do this X amount of things. You fill in the blank. We always struggle with, man, if I had this, I could do this. And what I want to walk you through tonight is the myths about money. And when you believe these myths, the trap is what the devil wants to do to you is when you believe these myths, you start to think money is for you, and it's Come, you're earning your money. It's all on you, and it's not for other people. And so if I could put my sermon in a sentence. This is our sermon in the sentence for tonight. It's this right here. Don't believe the myth that cash can do the thing that Christ has done for you already. Don't believe the myth that cash can do the thing that Christ has already done for you. Just think about it. When life gets hard, we all run to something. When we have problems in our, in our life, there's a void. There's an emptiness in our heart. And a lot of times... People fill it with worldly things. A lot of times we see people fill the void in their heart with money. But money can't do the thing that Christ has done for you. So I'm so excited to walk through our passage tonight. I am so excited that you are here tonight and we're going to learn from God's word tonight together. So let's pray and we're going to dive into our passage. God, you're so good, Lord. And God, I thank you for you. God, I thank you for this time we have together, Lord, as we get to look at what your word says about money. God, you talk a lot about money because you know, God, that we have self, selfish desires, God. We have greedy desires, Lord. And in your word tonight, you tell us to watch out and be on guard. So, Lord, I pray for the student in here tonight, Lord, that is struggling with finances, that is struggling with money. God, I pray that they'd be encouraged by what your word has to say about money. But also, God, I pray for the person that doesn't know you tonight, Lord. That is the most important thing. Lord, money won't do for them what you have done for them, and that is die on the cross and forgive them of their sins. And so, God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, so look, at, look with me. We have a lot to cover tonight, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in, and we're going to start in verse 13. And I'm going to read the verse 21, and then we're going to walk through this verse by verse tonight. And God's word says this right here. Someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, Jesus said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? 
He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 16 says, then he told him a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Verse 20, look at God's response. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then verse 24, the last verse of this parable, verse 21, apologies. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So myth number one tonight is having more money will make you happy. Myth number one is having more money will make you happy. And as we read in our passage tonight, we see somebody from the crowd. It looks like they need Jesus to do something for them, man. Don't we all need Jesus to do something in our lives? Well, he's done a lot in our lives by Jesus. This person from the crowd calls Jesus teacher, as we see. So he recognizes him as someone who's knowledgeable, who knows things. He recognizes him as a teacher. And what seems like a demand, he tells Jesus, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus responds to him by calling him friend, and he asks him a very important question. Jesus asks him, who appointed me the judge or arbitrator over you? An arbitrator, I looked up a definition for an arbitrator is a person who is appointed to settle a dispute. And this is very important, college student, because all through the Gospels, if you read Matthew, if you read Mark, if you read Luke, if you read John, Jesus' mission is very clear. He makes it very clear in the Gospels of what his mission is, and that is to seek the lost and see the lost be saved. And so this is important because Jesus was focused on the eternal, whereas this guy who's asking, this guy from the crowd who's asking Jesus to tell his brother to split the inheritance, he's trying to distract him. What it looks like is he's trying to distract him from something that is so temporary. And that's where Jesus goes into his first warning. And this is a very important warning. We all need to watch out and be on guard against all greed. Notice that if you have pens tonight, you're circling against all greed. College students, don't you know it's so easy to be greedy in this life? It's so easy when we get something or when something's given to us, we look at it as, oh, this is mine. This belongs to me. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Jesus gives us this warning because he tells us the truth about it after the warning. He says, your life is not in your possessions. Psalm 62.10 says this right here, place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. If, if wealth increases, don't set your heart on it. But how many times do we do that when, when we are blessed or when our wealth increases, man, we put our heart on that. We put all of our eggs in that basket. And a liar myth we can easily start to believe is if I just had more money, I could be happy. You ever been there before? If I just had this, if my paycheck looked like that, if I had what that person had, I would be happier. And but what we have to notice is there's a very important word in our myth number one, and it's more. More money makes me happy. It's not about having enough money. It's not even having about a lot of money. A lot, I, I, there's people out there who desire to have a lot of money, but those same people are the ones who desire more money. They're never content. A lot of us desire to have more. And college students, thinking like this can be a very dangerous game. It can cause you a lot of problems. Why? Because desiring to have just more money puts you on a never-ending journey. It, it's a destination you'll never reach because you're always going to desire more. And if I can encourage you with something, this is an exhausting journey to be on. 
Because you have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm desiring more money, when's enough enough? When, do, when have I reached this level of I have the, mon- the more money that I want? And another thing that happens is if our money is based on having more, if our happiness is based on having much more money, this is what it will lead to. It will lead to something very deadly, and it will lead to comparison. If you think in a way of, oh, if I just had more money, you'll start to look at another person who may have more money than you and compare your situation to theirs. And as I've been walking through this sermon, as I've been prepping this sermon, somebody told me a very important truth. And that is, Dakota, you don't even know what that person's going through and you're comparing your situation to them. You ever been there? You compare your situation to somebody else, but you don't even know all the details of their situation. But you're just filtering through the details of your situation. And so you're like, oh, they don't, they don't have it as hard as I do because they have more money. What a shallow way to think. What a small, temporary way, way to think. And if we're being honest, comparison is the thief of joy. Because you know why? This is what comparison will do to you. Comparison causes us to focus on what we don't have instead of celebrating what we do have. Comparison will cause you to focus on what you don't have instead of celebrating what you do have. And college students, I want want to be very practical tonight. I want you to think about a personal time in your life when you compared your life or your situation to somebody else. We've all done it. We have all fallen short and have compared our situation to somebody else. But specifically when it comes to money, when you've compared your financial situation to somebody, I want you to ask this question right here. How did you feel? How did it make you feel when you compared your situation to them? It probably didn't make you feel very good. Because again, going back to the point, it just made you focus on what you don't have. Oh, if I just had the new thing that they have, I'd be happy. Really? If I just had that new iPhone, I'd be happy. IPhone, man, Apple puts out a new iPhone every few years. Then what? Oh, if I just had those new shoes, man, I'd be happy. Then what? You, you receive all these things and then what? But let's take it another step further. Did it help you? Comparing your situation to somebody else's situation, did it change your situation? I could confidently probably say, no, it probably didn't change your situation. Comparing our financial situations with others puts us in an unhealthy competition. And I'll be clear, there's such thing as healthy competition. If, man, if your friend, if you have a friend in your life that's memorizing scripture, if you have a friend in your life that's getting up early to pray and you're struggling with those things, yeah, absolutely, because that comparison's pushing you closer to the Lord. But if you're comparing your financial situation or your, material, or your a possession situation to somebody else, you're putting yourself in a competition. Hear me say this. You're putting yourself in a competition that at the end of the day has no prize. You're in a competition right now if you're comparing your, your money situation to if you, when you do have more money than that person, guess what? You get no gold medal. You get no gold star. You get no ribbon. You get no congratulations because guess what? Now the person you have more money than, they're probably jealous of you and comparing their situation to you now. And so now it's just worse. Having more money will make you happy is a myth and it is a lie from the enemy. Why? Because when we compare, what, what we do is what the devil wants to do to you is he wants to make you think that you're lacking in your life. Instead of what God's word says, he'll give you everything you need in your life. But ask yourself this question. When God's word in our, in our uh, Thursday night life groups, we, we've talked about the names of God. We walked through Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. When God's word says God will provide for you, do you believe it? Do you believe that God will provide every single thing that you need in your life? 
And that's a big statement because notice I didn't say God will provide everything you want in your life. But I do say and I do believe God's word says it. We'll look at it in just a moment later in Luke 12. God will provide everything that you need in your life. But the question is, are you falling victim to this myth right here? We can be happy until we see somebody that has more than us, and now we feel like we don't have enough. I know this thought slipped into your mind. It's so easy to slip into that way of thinking. But let us be reminded of what Jesus says in, the very, in verse 15. Watch out and be on guard. The truth of the matter is what you have doesn't have much to do with your unhappiness. What you have doesn't have much to do with your unhappiness. It's when you think you are lacking something that causes you to feel unhappy. And when you feel like you're lacking something, it puts you on this journey to go do it your way and to go get it your way. And now you're living disobedient. You're living contrary to how God wants you to live. Or another thing that we'll equate to is if I have more money, I'll have more success. A lot of times in this world, what we think about the amount of money we have is equated to the amount of success I'll have in this life. But college students, I want to encourage you with something. This is just myth number one. we got three more to go through tonight. It doesn't have to be this way. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Your thinking on money does not have to be this way. You just need to have the right view of money. And where we get the right view of money is from Scripture. And so I want to give you truth number one. And truth number one is this right here. Knowing God more will bring you joy. Knowing more about God will bring you joy. Man, and that's encouraging. There's a difference between living a happy life and a joyful life. Happiness is so temporary, it can be changed, it it can be taken away, but joy, man, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's a characteristic that God instills in you when you trust in him. Having the right view of money comes from having the right view of God. College students, all through scripture, as I've been studying this, this coach gave me the opportunity to preach on this, all through scripture, what you'll see is time and time again, example after example, God provides for his people. And Jesus reminded us that our life isn't based on if we have an abundance of possessions. And so I wanted to look at an Old Testament example. Think about King Solomon. Many of us may know about King Solomon. Many of us may not. King Solomon is a king in the Old Testament. He's the son of King David. And King Solomon has to be one of the richest men to ever live. He has to be one of the richest men from the Old Testament. And we learn about his financial situation. We learn about his riches in 1 Kings chapter 10. This won't be on the screen, but this is what the verse says in 1 Kings chapter 10. It describes King Solomon's uh, finances and his wealth. It says the weight of gold that came to Solomon annually was 25 tons. And so in the Old Testament, what you have to know is, they, man, Solomon wasn't getting a paycheck every two weeks. Two weeks. He wasn't getting paid on the 15th and the 30th. But, man, his, his money, his financial situation was based on the amount of gold that he had in possession. Calculating the amount of gold Solomon had to what it's worth today, that put Solomon's income over $910 million. Solomon's financial situation he was worth he had in his possession over the years of his life 910 million dollars but the question is again myth number one was having more money will make me happier well let's ask the question was Solomon a happy guy based off of that we learned that answer in Ecclesiastes chapter one 
Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes that after First and Second Kings, that comes after First and Second Kings. And this is coming towards the end of his life, man. He's been the king. He's been the king. He's experienced what it's like being king. He's had the financial situation. He had, he had, he had wives and things like that. Man, he lived a life here on earth. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. He calls it absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Solomon called everything meaningless. But let's take it a step further. He says this in verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 1. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors under the sun? That's a great question. A phrase that, is, that occurs often in Ecclesiastes is this phrase, under the sun. And this is a reference to living in, from an earthly perspective. So the question is, what can we learn from Solomon tonight, college students? It's very simple. Having more money won't make you happier. Having more money won't make you happier. But on the flip side of that, what I encourage you with is, but knowing God will bring you joy in your life. Knowing God will bring you joy in your life. Solomon experienced everything that the world had to offer. And at the end of his life, he was asking the question. He was realizing there's more to life than just stuff. There's more to life than just money. Living your days with an earthly perspective will cause you to focus on temporary things that change every single day. Living your life with an earthly perspective will cause you to focus on temporary things that change every single day. And so this is why I want you to pray. This is a prayer you can pray, a verse from Scripture, Psalm 1611. It says this, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. Man, I love that that word abundant joy is present there because, again, Jesus in verse 15 already says our life isn't in abundance of possessions, but in the presence of God, there's abundant joy. What are you seeking in your life, college student? That, that void, that hole in your heart, the thing that you feel like you're missing in your life, are you seeking a paycheck or are you seeking the presence of God? Are you seeking a bigger paycheck or are you seeking more of God in your life? I challenge you, don't trade an eternal promise for a temporary pleasure. Don't trade an eternal promise for a temporary pleasure. What do I mean by that? If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know Jesus Christ personally, it ch Jesus changes how you think about life. Jesus thinks how you changes how you walk through this life. Jesus changes everything about you. Not only that, he gives you an eternal perspective. Because the eternal perspective, man, has so much, it has such a bigger impact. It has a greater impact. We all desire to be happy, sure, but happiness is a mood that's based on circumstances like money. College students, what if I asked you this? If you base your happiness on circumstances, on money, and that one day you get the dream job you want, you get the, I'll call it the dream paycheck you want, what happens when COVID, something like COVID comes through and you get laid off your job? COVID was awful, man. People lost their jobs. People lost their way of making money. Then what? What do you do if your life is dependent on a paycheck? Again, a paycheck can't do for you what Christ has done for you. My challenge to you is not to pursue the presence. Oh, my challenge to you is to pursue the presence of God, not a paycheck. I was about to say that backwards, and coach is going to get me off stage. Oof. Pursue the presence of God, not a paycheck. I'll say that over and over again. Pursue the presence of God and not a paycheck. But not only the presence of God, would you pursue the mission of God? God has a purpose in your life, and your purpose isn't based on how much money you make. 
Did you know, do you believe that college student? Do you believe that God has you where you are right now for a purpose, not to make money? And another question I'd ask you, what if we define success as the Bible does instead of the world does? How would that change our view of success? If your definition of success is based on money, how much money you have, you'll never be fulfilled. If you base your definition of success based on how much money you have, you will never be fulfilled. You will always be left empty. And for me, this makes me think about a time I, I worked at Texas Roadhouse all through high school. I got hired there at 16 years old, worked there through most of college, and it was a great, it was a great time. But, I mean, I, I, I fell victim to this myth right here of making more money will make me happy. Because what happened was, man, when, when I had things go wrong in my life, when things didn't go my, way, go my way in my life, man, all I did was, you know, I'm going to pick up an extra shift at Texas Roadhouse, and that's going to reflect on my paycheck. I'm going to be happy. College students, I was a busboy, for crying out loud. I bought, I bought tables for four years. I didn't make a whole lot of money. I, was, I found myself in high school working 40 hours as a busboy. Now, did I learn a lot as a busboy? Sure, absolutely. But that, I didn't learn a lot from having a big paycheck. And not, not only that, it, it dawned on me. I was, and I was lost in high school, and so it dawned on me later after I came to know the Lord. But I fell victim to pursuing a paycheck, and it caused me to miss people in my life. When I was pursuing a paycheck, it caused me to miss relationship building in my life. I, and man, I praise God, God saved me at 18 years old. I got saved right after high school and I, I got I plugged into the view as a college student at 19 years old. And my life has been radically different ever since then. But I just think about if I were to listen to the Lord sooner, if I were to came to know the Lord sooner, man, that, that how I would have lived high school differently. You know, and I can't, I can't stay in that thinking because God saved me. I got saved when I did. And it's changed my life ever since. But man, when I was pursuing that paycheck, I was missing people. And this is the, this is the thing that dawned on me the most. What the craziest thing about it was, in that time period when I was pursuing to make as much money as I could as a busboy, as a to-go specialist, and then as a server one day, what God was doing in my life was he was, was forming one of the greatest earthly friendships of my life. And that was with my best friend, Coach Daniel. Because here's the thing, fellas and ladies. Money doesn't buy you friendships. Coach Daniel was not my friend because I was busting tail at Texas Roadhouse 40 hours a week. He wasn't my friend because I had all this money. And to be quite frank, as an 18-year-old, I did think it was a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, I, it wasn't that much money. He wasn't my friend because I was working hard. He was my friend because he cared about me. He was my friend because he wanted to see me do something bigger. He wanted me to do something special. He wanted me to do something that had an impact. College student, what if we pursued people instead of paychecks? What if you pursued something that had eternal impact instead of temporary pleasure? How would your life change? How would your view on money change? How, how would you change through it all? Your investment in someone's spiritual life comes with an eternal impact. That money has such a temporary impact. It comes and it leaves just as easy as it comes. But when you impact somebody's life for the sake of the gospel, when you share Jesus with somebody, when you teach somebody how to read their Bible, they grow closer to Jesus. And that doesn't affect them just now. That affects them tomorrow on Tuesday morning when they go to their college campus. That affects them Wednesday night when they're in their workplace sharing Jesus with people. That affects them on the day that their death day comes when they pass away and they have to face the judgment of God. 
when it's them one-on-one with God, you teaching them about Jesus impacts their eternal destination. And a very important truth I have to say tonight is, Kalshun, you cannot buy your way into heaven. The love of God, the love that God has for you is not based on your bank account. Look with me as we continue through this passage. We pick up in verse 16. Verse 16 through 18 is what we're focusing on now. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. I want to give you myth number two, and that myth is your money is your money. Myth number two, your money is your money. College student, wouldn't you agree with me? We live in a possessive culture. We live in a culture that based on possessions and based on this mentality of what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. We don't like to share. We don't like to share. And we learned that this rich man had a land that is very productive. His land is so productive that it, it outgrows his current storehouses. And again, in this time period, money was, uh, finances wasn't based on a paycheck or anything like that, but it was based on the productivity of land. It was based on livestock and crops and things like that. The rich man comes up with this great plan that he's going to tear down his current storehouses, sounds like a lot of work, to build bigger ones so that he can store all of his grains and goods in one place. This type of mentality caused the rich man to miss the whole point of his productive land. He missed the whole point of the productivity of his land. If you were with us in our Be a Blessing series, we wrapped it up with the last sermon, Be a Blessing. And a truth that we learned in that sermon and in that sermon series was we're not blessed to keep the blessings to ourselves, but we're blessed so that we can bless others. That's a great reminder for us tonight with money. But unfortunately, we don't think that way. We don't have that attitude about money. And again, this mentality of, man, what's mine is mine is, and what's yours is yours, it's so easy and it's so quick to pick up. I don't think any of our parents teach us to be selfish. But as, as I was thinking about this, you know, my, my wife, she worked at a daycare in college and things like that. And I was asking her about the kids that she used to have to look over and things like that. Power to anybody who works at daycares and things like that. Power to you for sure. But from early on, kids learn really quick, oh, this is for me and this is not for you. Kids don't like to share because they have this thing, they have this sinful nature of, man, oh, this belongs to me, so I'm not going to give it to you. You ever, And maybe you were that kid, you know, and if you've repented of it, you've been forgiven of it, but maybe you were that kid when somebody asked for you to share something, you turned your shoulder and said, uh-uh, this is for me. Some of us have probably been there before. and But aren't we just like the kids when it comes to our money? When somebody needs help or when somebody comes to us, we're like, man, this is, this is mine. I can't help you. We see our money as belonging to us and only us. Maybe you've said stuff like this. Nobody gave it to me. I worked hard for it. I earned it on my own. Okay. It's easy to think I worked for this, so I'm going to spend it how I choose. It's so easy to think that way. And college, I want you to hear me say this. I'm not taking away the fact that you did work for your paycheck. Man, coach has covered work already. He's covered career. God made us to work, and work is good. But our work and our money can come, become an idol very quickly if we're not careful. In 1 John 5.21, it tells us this right here. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. An idol is anything that you put in the place of God. 
And it is so easy to put money in the place of God. It is so easy to worship money. But college students, it leaves you so empty because it does nothing for you. Because you have to spend it at one point. Because if you, if you make all this money, you don't do anything with it. Well, you got to spend it on food. College students, you got to pay bills. You got There's responsible ways to use money. Use your money in a responsible way, not in a selfish way. When we have the mindset of our money is our money, it's really difficult to give it to others. And for this rich man, for the rich man in this parable, the problem isn't the fact that he's wealthy. To be rich isn't, isn't a problem. To be rich isn't a sin, but it's the heart behind it. Do you love money? Are you greedy for money? Is, the, is money the biggest thing that you desire in your life? The issue is he wanted all the wealth to keep to himself, and this caused him to miss. Don't miss this, college students, because the rich man missed it in this parable. It caused him to miss how temporary life really is. For you, college student, how do you look at the blessings God has given you? Do you look at blessings as they're just for you? Or do you look at blessings and say, how can I bless somebody else? Let me give you truth number two. Truth number two is very encouraging. All money is God's money. All money is God's money. And understanding this reality when it comes to money will help you tremendously. I want you to put this in your notes. You have no money. Your money does not belong to you. All money is ultimately God's money. And this goes for every resource on this earth. If you look to Genesis, this goes for every resource on earth that all things, all resources come from God. And God gives us resources to steward during our lifetime, not to own during our lifetime. You are to be a faithful manager of the things that God has given you. And we, when we look at money like this, it will push us to share more with others. But this is what a lot of people will do when it comes to money. They'll point out their accomplishments, you know, to, to really to say, man, this is why I feel this way about my money. This is why I use my money or this is how I got my money is because of my accomplishments. We like for people to know that we have a certain job because we worked hard to get this job or we worked hard for our education to put us in the place that we're in. We worked hard to get the experience, the skills, the ability, the talents for us to get the specific job to make the specific money that we're making. But college students, you have to answer some really hard questions when you think like that. And those questions, here's just a few of them. What made you able to learn those skills? I'll take a step further. How do you have a brain? How are you capable to do the things that you do? How did you get the gifts that you have? And notice, it's a gift. How did you get the gifts that you have? When it's a gift, there's no obligation to it. It was given to you freely. Don't miss that. There's no obligation in giving a gift. It comes to you freely. Who gave you the ability to work? College student, answering these questions correctly will shift your mindset on money. Because what, what it makes me think of, if you want to have a giving heart, you have to have a grateful heart. If you want to have a giving heart, you have to have a grateful heart. And having a grateful heart comes from knowing who God is. If you know the giver, you'll be grateful. And if you're grateful, you'll be a giver. God is the giver of all 
blessings. Dakota, how do you know that? James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Look at it. It says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. And notice, I love that James writes, don't be deceived. Because you think about it. Genesis chapter 3, what happened? The devil attacked Eve. And what did the devil make her think? She was lacking. Isn't that crazy? The devil made Eve think she was lacking and deceived her in thinking God was keeping something from her, but God had already given them everything that they needed. Isn't that fascinating? And then we look in James chapter 1. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Why? Let's go to verse 17 on the screen. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Colossians, every ability that you have, every talent that you have, every skill that you have is a good and perfect gift, but it came from God. It came from nobody. It came from nobody else except God. But do you view it that way? Do you view money as your money belonging to you, or do you view it as, man, it came from God, and I'm going to use it for his kingdom? I'm going to use this money for me, or I'm going to use this money for God's kingdom. Every dollar you have to your name, no matter how hard you worked for it, is only because of God, because God gave it to you. Every good and perfect gift. Man, James got, James got it right there, James chapter 1. But look with me, right after verses 18, we're going into verse 20, 19 and 20 now, it says this right here. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Myth number three is money gives you security. Myth number three, money gives you security. Look, now that the rich man had all of his goods, you see what his mindset was. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. And what, what's he say? I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take it easy. Because he felt secure. He had all of his goods and grains in one place. He said, I'm just going to take it easy. because I've done everything that I needed to do. And so now I'm just going to kick back for a little while. But don't miss what God, God calls him out for his foolishness because, man, he, again, like I said, he missed the whole reason why his land was being productive anyways. He missed the whole reason for his productive land. And look what happens. He was reminded of how temporary life is because his life was demanded of him that very night. In other words, Colossians, we have no idea what is going to happen. You have no idea what is going to happen. So why? Why focus on storing up a big old bank account when it doesn't do anything for you in the eternal life? Why store up all these goods and all these riches when, man, that doesn't get you into heaven? This, man, Brother Steve says this all the time. A tombstone has a birth date, a death date, and right in the middle it has a dash, and life is just a dash. You have a birth date, a death date, a, life is a dash. You have no idea what is going to happen we can put all this work and time into saving up for retirement and then not even get to use it. And I know that's a sad reality. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you, but that is a sad reality. People spend their lives toiling away and away and away, storing up all this money, and yet they may not even get to use it. God asked them the question, whose will they be? All these things that you prepared for yourself, where will they go? Money does not buy you a longer life. And I'm going to take it a step further. Money does not give you security, and it's not worth putting your trust in. 
Money does not give you security, and it's not worth putting your trust in. I would encourage you to pray this right here as well. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. It says, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long, and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands only as a vapor. Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. But let's go back to the book of James. James chapter 4 says this right here, James 4, 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Colossians, do not spend your life focusing on money. Focus your life, and this will fulfill you so much more. Focus your life on how can I impact the kingdom of God the most where I am. You are a college student right now. You will not be a college student forever. And I, man, I wish somebody, I tell college students this all the time. A lot of people come and talk to me about work and things like that, what they should do for work and all these different things. And now I'm going to do this at work because I, I need this and I'm desiring this. College students, you realize you have the rest of your life to work a full-time job. You have the rest of your life to hit 40 hours on a work week. And some of you in the careers that you may be choosing, you will work over 40 hours. But making that money, is it worth the time that you'll miss with the friends that you have in college? I'll take it a step further. One day you may, one day you may be married. That, that extra time in the office, is it worth time away from your future spouse? From your future kids? Because that, that impacts the home. When parents aren't in the home because they're working, man, that has an impact. But for you, college student, right now where you are in college, man, when you're not pouring into relationships, when you're not pouring into your friendships because you're desiring more money, you're desiring a bigger paycheck, that will impact you after college. You will struggle with friendships after college if all you're doing right now is working. There is so much more to your college experience than working all the way through college. And college students, I get it. So, some of y'all are paying your way through school. Some of you are paying your tuition. I've been in your shoes. I did it. Can I tell you, God will provide. Will you believe that truth tonight that God will provide for you in the season of college? Because the God that provided for everybody in Genesis is the same God to you today in 2023 as we get ready to go into 2024. But where do you put your trust? Where's your security? Because again, we all desire to feel safe. When, when we have a sense of security, we feel safe. But man, what happens when that security is taken away from you, when money is stripped away from you? Where's your sense of security then? This is hard to believe in because what happens is we live in a world that compares self-worth to net worth. Think about that. We live in a culture that we, we compare our self-worth to our net worth. Our value, how much value we have is to how much value of how much money we have. That is a lie from the enemy. You are not a better person or more valuable to God because you got to raise at work. 
You are not a better person or more valuable to God because you got a better job. Man, praise God you got a better job. But what James chapter 1 say? Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. But what we do is we attach who we are to what we have. We put our identity in the amount of money we have. And ooh, that's a rocky, that's a rocky, that's a rocky place to be. Because what you have isn't who you are. Go back to the very beginning verse. One's life is not in the abundance of his possession. Your life is not based on what you have. Your life is based on who you know. Jesus, do you personally know Jesus tonight? A person can literally go from being broke to rich and back to broke. And his value of a human being doesn't change at all. Your value of a human being does not change at all. Because it's not based on how much money you have. Hear me say that. The value of your life is priceless. There, God saw so much value in your life that Jesus did what only he could do and die on the cross for your sin. That's how much value God sees in you. God, that's how much God cares about you because he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sin. Money didn't do that for you, college student. Money won't be there when the times are going rough. Money won't be there when things are going bad at home. Money won't be there when school's not going your way. But I guarantee you, every step of the way, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Do you believe the truths of Scripture tonight? Because truth number three is Christ gives you security. Christ gives you the security that you desire. You can feel the safest you've ever felt if you personally know Jesus. I asked this question earlier in the sermon. What if I told you God knows everything that you need? What if I told you God knows everything that you need? Well, look with me in the following verses. Luke 12, 29 through 31 says this right here. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink. And, and drink. Don't be anxious for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided to you. Seek his kingdom, not more money. God knows every single thing you need. I encourage you, college student, man, the gospels are so strategically written. I encourage you to read on your own later tonight, later this week. Go reread this parable, verses 13 through 21, and then go read the passage right after it. And don't tell, don't tell me that there, there's some meaning behind that. Because God gives this parable and then he goes straight in the, into, therefore I tell you, don't worry about what your life will be, what you'll eat or about the body, what you'll wear. Man, God knows every single thing that you need. And what's so crazy is we forget a statement that is on every single dollar bill and it's a statement right here, in God we trust. Isn't that fascinating? The thing that we desire so much, it reminds us of in God we trust. Don't trust in a dollar bill, a $5 bill, $20 bill, $100 bill. Because when you tear it up, it has no value. You can't use it anyways. But it's in God you trust. Look with me at verse 21 as we come to a close here in a moment. Verse 21 says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want to give you myth number four. Myth number four is money is your treasure. That's a myth. Money is your treasure. That is a myth. The last verse of this parable gives us a warning that anyone who stores up treasure for personal gain is in a dangerous situation. 
You can be physically rich and spiritually poor. Think about that. You can be physically rich and spiritually poor. And the thing that I want you to walk away with tonight, knowing college students, is eternity is a lot longer than your life here on earth. When we treasure something, we will do whatever it takes to have that treasure. And not only that, when we treasure something, it usually there's a love that comes with it. When, when we think something has value to it, we, we usually love it. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 says this, though. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But not only that, look at 1 Timothy. Chapter 6 says this, for, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Notice that verse. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and can, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It is dangerous to love money, college students. It is dangerous. It brings destruction. It makes you make poor choices. When we love money or make it the most important thing, it causes us to neglect the things that really matter. And it's your personal relationship with Jesus. It's your personal relationship with Jesus, and it's the relationships that you have with the people around you. Imagine what your relationships would look like, the way you pursue money, and maybe you've fallen victim and fallen in the trap of love and money. Imagine what your relationships would look like if you pursued people like that and if you pursued the love of God like that. How would you love people differently? The question that we have to ask, though, is how can we use the money entrusted to us wisely? And I want to give you the last truth of tonight. Truth number four is money is your tool. Money is your tool. Which means there's a responsibility that comes with money. Money is something that can be used to accomplish something. But it's up to us to use that tool correctly. Just like any tool, a tool can be used for good. A tool can be used for bad. But you might be thinking, Dakota, you've gone through all these truths. You've gone through all of these myths how can I use my money wisely? Well, I want to give you some practical things that, I, that I've learned that have been challenging to me, the things that I learned while I was in college. The, this is how you can use money in a wise way. And it first starts as, do you have a budget? I would encourage, this is, this is just getting practical. Do you have a budget? And this is a discipline. This is a discipline. If you go on the app store, man, you can download a budgeting app, put in all your income, put in all your expenses. You can... Uh, link up your bank account to it, and it tracks every expense that you've used. And then you'll really, and college students, I'm going to be honest, when you start budgeting, you start learning where your money goes. Because you think money goes quick, and it's like, where is it going? A budget will show you that. But not only that, I encourage you to live below your means. You don't have to live this luxurious, materialistic life, have the, all the new things, all the greatest things. Live below your means, man. Your happiness, your joy isn't based on stuff. Your joy comes from knowing Jesus. I'd also encourage you to limit your debt. This is practical. You're in college, you're working through how to pay for college and things like that. 
Limit your debt. And sometimes debt can't be avoidable with things like college and things like a house one day. But I encourage you, just don't let yourself be trapped by debt because Proverbs 22 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Limit your debt. And I talked about this earlier, buy experiences, not stuff. I would encourage you to buy experiences, not stuff, because, man, the experiences that you have with your friends while you're in college, that last a lifetime. When you buy stuff, it's, a, it's always going to be replaced and something newer is going to come out. Buy experiences. And I talked about this a moment ago. I encourage you, college student, be generous. Be generous. Man, giving to somebody, man, that is awesome. And God's word talks about that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Be a cheerful giver. Don't give out of, oh, God, I have to give this to somebody. Oh, God, I have to do this. And be excited because, man, it's, you're, man, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves, and that's the kingdom of God. But do we think like this, college student? I encourage you to be generous with your time, your treasure, and your talents you have because you'll be paid back infinitely more throughout eternity. Be generous with your time, your treasure, and your talents. And college students, what's so exciting is we learn how to do this through the life of Jesus. 